just got to enjoy it. Amen. Worship is not for us, even though we benefit from it. It's for Him. He's the object of our worship. He's the purpose for our worship. And so I believe that uh, it pleases the Lord. Jesus said that uh, time has come. Father seeketh those that will worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so worship is uh, not for our own self-edification, but it's to edify and glorify the Lord. But, you know, you can't give the Lord without receiving because he always gives back to us, amen, uh, far greater measure than what we give out, amen. So I did enjoy the good spirit of worship and uh, appreciate you very, very much, your pastor and his ministry his life, his love for the things of God, his desire, amen, and I have a lot of respect for Pastor Gregory Regan, lots of respect, and um, a lot of uh, confidence in this man, and if I had family members moving anywhere close to this area, or anybody that I If I don't like them, I don't want to bother Pastor Reagan. <laughs> but uh, otherwise, I'd be saying, you got to go to New Life Pentecostal Church in Olathe. There's no place else to go. Amen. Everybody say praise the Lord. Amen. Good to see all of you tonight. And uh, appreciate the opportunity to be here. I wanted to be here on Sunday. And I think I offered that before you asked, if I recall. First of all, I thought it might make my conscience feel a little bit better because I'd put you off so many times. And so partially it was for my conscience. But secondly, I just uh, felt like that I wanted to be here long enough to maybe, uh, you know, one or two services. Sometimes it's hard to really get, uh, get a handle on things and really get it to where you want. By the time you get there, you know, you shut it down. So... Lord to help us tonight, and uh, we'll try to gain some ground and come back Sunday expecting uh, even a greater move of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want to direct your attention to the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 1, and I'd like to uh, begin reading in verse number 13. First Peter chapter 1, verse number 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Please notice the reading of this last part of this verse of Scripture. It says... Hope to the end for the grace. If I say the grace, the grace of God is more than unmerited favor. The grace of God is the ability of Jesus Christ that's imparted to us to do the will of God. Amen. And so, 
grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Last night, we talked about revelation. And uh, we talked about revelation, the harvest. And uh, we're going to talk further about revelation tonight. I'm telling you, the day and hour that we're living in more than ever before, we need a revelation of Jesus Christ. And so, there's grace that comes to you, or power, empowerment that comes to you through a revelation of Jesus Christ. That's why everybody needs a revelation that in Christ, in Jesus Christ, dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead finally. You need that revelation. As obedient children, not fastening yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. So God wants us to live in obedience after we receive a revelation of Jesus Christ and not continue to live as we lived formerly before salvation. Amen. Salvation's all about conversion, changing. Then verse 15 takes it just a little bit further. Then it says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Jesus has called us to holiness. And, and, and the yardstick, the standard, is to be holy, not as your pastor's holy, or your mom or dad or your friend or some other saint of God that you admire, but to be holy as he is holy. He's our standard. He's our example. And to be holy in all manner of conversation, putting this in more common terminology we would be familiar with, it's literally said, in all areas of our lifestyle. This word conversation is used. This is, this is King James Version. That's going back a long time. And uh, words and meanings change over time. In the original language that this was written in, it's really probably a word that we would be more familiar with to describe what it's talking about here would be lifestyle. So it's really saying, He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, all areas of your life, all areas of your lifestyle. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am Oh, we serve a holy God. We serve a holy God. Be holy, the Lord said, for I am holy. If you want to associate with me, if you want to be with me, if you want to have fellowship and communion and relationship with me, you're going to have to come up to a higher standard of living because I can't come down where you're living. Amen. I'm going to empower you to raise you up. Amen. That's why the book of Ephesians talks about us being raised up with Christ in the heavenly places. Amen. Through his grace, he's going to empower you with the ability to live holy so that we can have that relationship and that communion that God so desires to have with us. Now, my subject, before I tell you what it is tonight, I want to tell you how this came about. I was reading my Bible. I get up usually quite early, and I like to have my quiet time. 
saying there now. Amen. I like to arise before my wife arises. In case she gets hold of this thing, <laughs> CD, whatever. And uh, I liked it quite a time. It even aggravates me when Sadie hears me out. That's her little miniature schnauzer. And she goes, she woof, woof, woof. And then if I don't go let her out, she goes, woof. And I don't, I don't go get her, let her out of her room. She has her own room. Laundry room. <laughs> She's going to wake my wife up. And then my cat in the garage named Callie, she joins in the chorus. And she wants me to go let her out. And of course, Philippa, I mean, her food desk can be full, but she still wants me to fill it. <laughs> Just in case she was a stray cat and she knows what it is to be hungry. <laughs> she just wants to make sure. And, and But I was I was up early and I was reading and I, I read this passage of scripture and I just saw it in a way I'd never seen it before. It says, the Lord is appealing to us. I want you to be holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Have you ever spontaneously spoke out without any forethought? When I read that, it impacted me so strongly that without even thinking, I just spoke these words out. Oh, I want to be holy. I really want to be holy. And, and so that's what I'm going to entitle this message tonight. I want to preach to you on this thought, I want to be holy. Do you want to be holy? Do you want to be what God wants you to be? Do you want to please the Lord? Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord together for his word tonight. Lord, we do praise you. We exalt you. I worship you. I magnify your name. Talk to us tonight. Give us understanding. Open our understanding that we might understand the scriptures, God. Give us a revelation, even as you gave unto Isaiah, of your holiness. Put within us a hunger and a desire to be what you want us to be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody say praise the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. You know, so much of the time when we begin to preach from the word of the Lord, we go back to the beginning. The ideal state of existence of humanity, of mankind, is in the Garden of Eden. This was pre-sin. This was a period of time when there was unrestrained, unhindered fellowship between God and man and woman, which he created. There was no shame. There was no guilt. There was no anxiety. There was nothing that hindered this beautiful, beautiful relationship that existed between God and his people. That's why they were not wearing clothing. I could go into this, but literally they were clothed with glory. 
It wasn't as though they were walking around with the appearance of nudity, but they did not need artificial covering because they were covered with the glory of the Lord. And so the Lord obviously enjoyed spending time with them. And the Bible makes reference to the Spirit of the Lord coming to them, walking to them through the garden to a predetermined place, a place where there was a rendezvous. And there was sweet, wonderful communion, probably on a level above anything we have ever experienced, even in living for God. Because there was not even a taint of sin. So they had communion. They had fellowship without shame or condemnation. But sin robbed them of their innocence. Sin prevented them from having free access into God's holy presence. And where there one time was uh, excitement, enthusiasm, desire, longing to be in God's presence, now as the hour approached when the Lord would meet with them as in times before, they begin to draw back from his presence. And they begin to look at themselves and they realize we've lost something. Something is different. And the Bible says they were ashamed. That means they felt guilt. They felt condemnation. And they begin to try to cover up their exposed uh, uh, person. And, and, and they felt so vulnerable. And they felt so violated and, and they felt so unclean and impure and for the first time however long they had been living could have been could have been uh, centuries of time I, I, we don't know we don't know it could have been a long long I'm sure it was for a sustained period of time but now it's different they cannot enjoy they cannot enter into that deep level of fellowship because of Sin. What did sin steal from them? It took from them their glory. It took from them their holiness. And they who had been made in the likeness and image of God and knew no sin, now they were defiled, they were contaminated, they were condemned. And so from that time until now, I'm going to tell you something. Not only did they miss what they lost, but God missed what he lost. Because he created us for his own pleasure. Amen. We give to him something that nothing else can give to him. Praise God. And so... Now that time of sweet fellowship and communion, he no longer is able to enjoy that. What is he going to do? Amen. He could have wiped them off the face of the earth and started all over. But because of his love for humanity, here's what he determined to do. I'm going to provide a means whereby they can be restored. Amen. To that original state. Amen. Where they again, can have 
lie. It's impossible for him to commit sin. It's impossible for him to be unholy. So he cannot lower the standard. He could not be something that he wasn't and come down and communicate with them in real fellowship and him come as they are in an unholy state. In other words, if I could just put it in today's environment, he's not going to come and, and smoke a joint with you. He's not going to come and sit down and drink a beer with you. He's not going to hang out with the guys and tell filthy stories. He's not going to indulge with your immorality. Amen. And he's calling us to come out of darkness and to put off the works of darkness and to clothe ourselves with his glory and his anointing and his power and to leave behind our former conversation. He offers to us the ability to be raised up from that low state of sin and degradation and guilt and condemnation. I'm telling you, don't you feel horrible when you've broken God's commandments? Don't you get disgusted with yourself when you're following the lust of your flesh rather than walking in the liberty that is granted to us through salvation. I mean, you know what I'm talking about tonight. There's many person out here that doesn't even know anything about God and his holiness and truth. But they suffer with guilt and shame and low self-esteem. Where does it come from? It comes from that nature that has been degraded to lower than an animal and that just doesn't feel right. And they know there's a higher calling and a higher purpose. And they may not know what it is or how to get there. But in their heart, in their conscience, they know, amen, that God created them for better things than that. Amen. And so, this being holy is not an option. It's a requirement. It's a necessity. It's essential. If you're going to be a Christian, amen, you must pursue holiness. Amen. You must desire holiness. Amen. Hebrews 12 and 14, follow peace with all men and Holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Holiness is not a destination. Holiness is not a completed work. Holiness is not a static position. Holiness is not, I have reached this level, therefore I'm holy. No, holiness is not a place, it's not a position, it's a journey. Amen. Every day we must walk in holiness in order to be holy. 
can be holy today and tomorrow be unholy. You can be clean today and tomorrow be defiled. Every day you must make up your mind. I'm going to walk according to the word of God. Amen. I'm going to uh, depend upon the grace of God to help me today to live a holy, clean, separated life that's pleasing unto the Lord. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. So, uh, this is this is how important holiness is to God. He chose you before the foundation of the world. Amen. Before the worlds were ever created, before the universe was ever created, in His mind, in His plan, in His logos, He designed a church, and He He designed for you to be a part of that church. And when you're going to be in that church, it's going to be a holy church. And he, he, he intends for you to be holy. According to the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 4, it says, According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. See, some people had the idea that you can't ever please the Lord. But you can't ever live in such a way that God would be pleased with you. But that's contradictory to Scripture. Because the word of the Lord said, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. It's God's plan to bring every one of us into holiness. Amen. To bring us to a place that we can come into the presence of God without guilt, without fear, without shame. And we can unashamedly and unintimidated enter into the very presence of God and enjoy His Shekinah. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. I, I, I want to remind you, I want to be holy. Amen. If you get a revelation of holiness, it's something you really want. Somebody said, oh, you're part of that holiness movement. My Lord, what better movement could you be a part of? What would you want to be more than holy? Because that's what God wants you to be. That's what he chose you to be before the foundation of the world. He knew he could do it. He knew he would give you the power to do it. Amen. He wants us to be holy. And there ought to be an desire in us that said, hey, I want to be holy. Lift your hands and praise the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Now, from the time of the fall of Adam and Eve until the day of Pentecost, when the church was birthed into the world, the requirement to be holy was there. But the means to be holy was not. The law did not empower people to live a holy life that was acceptable to God. The law only required a means by which unholy people could get a little mercy for a few more days. But the sins were never dealt with completely or eradicated or remitted. It was, it, they were living on borrowed time. It's like, it's like borrowing a huge sum of money. And all your life, you're paying and paying and paying. But all you're paying is interest. Or maybe what you're paying doesn't even quite cover all the interest. And the debt's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Hey, anybody 
I think in credit card debt. You're making a minimum payment. But the bill's getting bigger. And so all it did was give them a temporary reprieve. It wasn't until Jesus Christ came, amen, that it was possible to fulfill God's command to be holy. The commandments were there. The law was there. The tabernacle was there. The the priestly order was there. Amen. The law of the sacrifices was there. And all of these different things that was required was there. And every day they were struggling to try to fulfill the law, but they always fell short. They never quite achieved or attained. And there was a reason for the law. What was the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law is stated that it was given to us. It was a schoolmaster. Or a teacher, amen, to lead us to Jesus Christ. And after centuries of struggle and centuries of trying and centuries of bringing sacrifices and everything else that pertained to the law and never measuring up and never quite getting there, amen, the world was ready, amen, for Jesus Christ to come and to provide a permanent solution for sin. Amen. Not just buy us a few more days. Amen. Not just postpone our sentence for another year. Amen. But Jesus Christ came and brought to us life. And he brought to us a means by which our sins can be remitted. Hallelujah. He brought by, he brought to us a means whereby our nature could be changed. Amen. We could become a new creature in Christ Jesus. And all things could pass away. And all things become new. Oh, hallelujah. The things you used to couldn't do, now you can do. And the things you used to have to do, now you don't have to. Praise God. Isn't it wonderful? You know, you know, there are a lot of people that come to God nowadays. They don't have a church background. They don't have a clue what it's all about. Amen. But uh, just uh, recently, somebody prayed through the Holy Ghost, and, and a few days later, they come to church, and, and his name is Glenn Smith. And, and Brother Glenn said, you know, he said, I just don't want to smoke anymore. He said, I, I, just, I just quit smoking, and I, I, I smoked for years. Well, he said... Because he got the Holy Ghost. And man and man, man, Christ Jesus is a new creature. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, God gives to you the power to be an overcomer. God gives you the power to be a new creature. God gives to you the power to live a holy life that's present in his sight. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody said, I want to be holy. Come on, this needs to get a hold of somebody tonight. We need to get a hold of We're not underprivileged. We're not good without. We're not second-rate, second-class citizens. Amen. But we're the children of God. And he has endured us with power from on high. And we have the power to live the way God wants us to live. Thank you, Jesus. Now, it's, it is possible to fulfill God's commandment to be holy. Through the power of the Holy Ghost, we can walk in holiness. If I say walk in holiness, amen, not achieve holiness. See, this is what happens to some people. They, they, they make some changes and they get rid of this and they do this and all of that. And all of a sudden they feel like, I'm holy. I've arrived. 
you just got on the highway. You got to keep traveling. Amen. This is expressway. You're going to get run over if you just sat there. Amen. You better get with the program. When I come to, you know, with Tulsa's not a little city, but compared to this area, it is. And I've learned, you know, I have to relearn that when you pull on the expressway here, you better be getting with the program. You don't go lollygagging out on the freeway and do a little sightseeing, talking around. No, you're going to get run over. Amen. When you get on this highway of holiness, this is not a place to stop and homestead. Amen. But you get on this highway of holiness and you travel. We're going somewhere. Where are we going? Amen. We're going to Mount Zion. We're headed toward heaven. Amen. We're headed toward that high calling in Christ Jesus. So this is a highway of holiness. None can walk up there but the pure in heart. Amen, amen, amen. Now, here's, here's the way it works. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation. What's condemnation? That's that guilt that comes from sin. But when you're born again, the one the Spirit, condemnation leaves. There's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made us free from the law of sin and death. I don't have to live the way I used to live. I'm not bound by the things I used to be bound by. Praise God, praise God. Amen. I've been set free. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. I've been redeemed from the bondage of sin. Sin no longer has dominion over me. Sin no longer tells me what to do. I decide what I'm going to do. Amen. If I depend upon the Lord and have a relationship with Him, I can stay on this highway of holiness. Amen. For what the law could not do, the law could not accomplish some very important things. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending His Son in the likeness of simple flesh, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. We walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. How we walk after the Spirit, we're on this highway called holiness. And we're following peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And that word follow there means to press forward. It means to pursue. Amen. It's not just a little sitting around thinking about it. Amen. But it's getting up and doing something about it. Amen. It's getting up and start moving. Where are you going? I'm on the king's highway. I'm following peace with all men. I'm following holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. I want to see him. I want to see him. I want to see him now. I want to clear understanding, clear revelation of him right now. And in eternity, I want to be with Jesus. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. See, the law made righteous demands, but it wasn't fulfilled until, amen, Jesus Christ came and gave us life and power. Walk not at flesh, but at the Spirit. Now, what's the ultimate objective? What's the ultimate purpose or aim 
that Jesus Christ has in mind. He is planning. Not just planning, he's going to do it. He is going to present to himself a, somebody shout, glorious church. Without spot or blemish. Somebody said, where's that going to be? Right here. Right here in this church. Right here in this church. He's looking for those that will be members of his church, his body. Amen. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Somebody shout, I want to be holy. You know why you ought to want to be holy? So you can be a part of this glorious church that he's going to present to himself without spot, amen, without a wrinkle, without a blemish, but it's glorious, it's holy, it's undefiled, it's pure, amen, it's a delight of his heart, amen, it's as the apple of his eye, it's what he cherishes more than anything else. This is why he came in flesh and died, amen, was so that he could produce a race of people, he could produce a, a group of people, amen, that's called by his name, baptized, amen, with his spirit, baptized in his name, amen, people that are living holy, people that are separated from the world, people that want to live for God, oh, hallelujah, I want to be holy, I want to be holy. I want to be holy. I want to be holy. I want to get a hold of you tonight. Amen. I want you to just say it over and over again. I want to be holy, Lord. I want to be holy. I want to be what you want me to be. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to say what you want me to say. I want to live the way you want me to live. I want to be holy. I want to be holy. I want to be holy like you. Praise God. see, when you come before the Lord and you want to enter into his presence and you want to worship and praise him, there's a requirement. Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, said, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, having held no cigarettes with these hands. Amen. Haven't held any beer with these hands. Haven't committed violence with these hands. I haven't taken something that's not mine with these hands. I haven't done anything immoral with these hands. Praise God. And I'm going to lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Oh, I'm going to tell you, when you got holy hands to lift before the Lord, there's no doubting, there's no condemnation, there's no guilt. Amen. There's that assurance. There's that peace that comes with knowing that everything's all right between you and God. You can come into his presence without intimidation. You can come into his presence without shame. Amen. You can worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Oh, hallelujah, all the holy people can worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. 
Only holy people can worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Only be holy. Hallelujah. How many of you want to be holy tonight? Tell the Lord, I want to be holy, Lord. I want to be holy, Lord. Praise God. I'm going to tell you something. It goes on saying, like manner also, that women, everybody say women supposed to lift up holy hands to you. Amen. That they adorn themselves a modest apparel. What's that got to do with anything? It's got everything to do with it. Because God said, if you're going to be holy, I want you to dress holy. In modest clothing, with shame faceness and sobriety, not with boarded hair or gold or pearls or costly array. God doesn't want our beauty to come from artificial dormants, but he wants our beauty to come from the glory of the Lord that's upon us. He said he would beautify the meek with salvation. The most beautiful people in the world are saved people. I've seen God take somebody that lived in sin for years. Amen. Their face furrowed and, and hardened and, 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 uh, and uh, just an old hard look on their face and fill them with the Holy Ghost. And you look and you don't even recognize them. They look 10 or 15 years younger. I've actually seen their face glowing. You saw a light was on in there. What is it? He's beautified the meek with salvation. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Don't worry about getting old. Amen. Worry about staying on the king's highway. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And this is a good reminder for everybody aspiring to the ministry. Everybody's in the ministry. I'm preaching to a pastor. I'm preaching to me. I'm preaching to everybody. Amen. That one of the qualifications for the ministry is to be holy. Wouldn't it be a shame for somebody to be teaching others to be holy and they're not striving to be holy themselves. But that has happened. Amen. That brings a lot of discredit to God. That, that, that really hinders the work of God. Amen. When preachers don't live a holy life and every once in a while, you know, there's big headlines. Some well-known religious figure. We find out that uh, they've been living a double life and that brings shame, brings a reproach on the name of the Lord. Paul wrote to Titus, a young preacher, Titus 1, verse 7, he said, For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-will, not angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, blameless. you got to be holy. you got to live a separated life. And furthermore, Apostle Peter wrote to the church, and he called believers, you and me, he said, we're a new order of priesthood. And he said that we were to be a holy priesthood. A holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Then he goes on to say, in the ninth verse of the same chapter, First Peter chapter 2, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, what kind of priesthood? A holy priesthood, royal priesthood, but it's holy, and holy nation. Oh, hallelujah. The church is a holy people. It's a nation. It's a race. When he said, when he said, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature, it actually means creation. 
or race of people. Amen. God has put a new race of people on the earth. And we're not identified by our ethnic background. It matters not whether your extraction's from Europe or Africa or the native tribes or from Asia. That's not what it's about. You do have an identity, a distinct identity. This nation of people can be distinguished by their holy lifestyle, spirit, actions, adornment, everything about us is identifiable because we have been born again of the water and the spirit. Amen. And God has done a work in our hearts and life, and he is producing from us a holy, royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Somebody said, oh, that's what you are, a bunch of oddballs. No, 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 that's not what peculiar means. You know what it means? It means a unique people. It means a unique treasure. It means one of a kind. Nothing else like it in the whole wide world. Never has been, never will be. Amen. This is a unique people. This is a different nation that's ever existed before. This is the church. This is God's people. This is those, amen, that's called by his name. Amen. I want to be a part of it, don't you? Somebody shout, I want to be holy. Another reason why we should aspire, amen, to live a holy lifestyle is, is in light of the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Apostle Peter writes in his second epistle, chapter 3 and verse 11, he's, he talks about judgment that's coming. This world's going to be dissolved in the elements. And then he said in verse 11, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? I'm telling you, when judgment comes, the only ones that's going to escape are those that are holy. Amen. Thank you, sir. I want to be holy, too. You're helping me out. I appreciate that. I want to be holy. I want to be holy. Yes, sir. Why? I want to be in the part of that first resurrection. Amen. I want to be delivered when judgment comes upon this world. Amen. When the earth is destroyed with a fervent heat and fire. Amen. I want to be part of that group. Amen. That's raptured out of here. So seeing that all these things are going to be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Oh, let's give thanks to the Lord. Praise your name, Jesus. Praise your name, Jesus. Praise your wonderful name. Let me drive this just a little bit further. The ones that Jesus is coming after will be holy. Revelation 20, verse 6, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God, royal priesthood. And shall reign with him a thousand years. Oh, hallelujah, I want to be holy. Amen. So again, we come back to our scripture text, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 13. And Apostle Peter here speaks of the grace that comes to us through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Somebody say the revelation. I'm going to tell you, when you get a revelation of God, it's always about holiness. 
You see, idol gods, they're associated with immorality. They're associated with violence. They're associated with injustice. Bondage. That's right. People that are idolaters are bound by fears and superstitions and, and spirits and all kinds of evil. But everything that has to do with God is holy. Amen. And so he said, talks about grace. It comes to us through the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the only way you're going to live for God. You've got to get a revelation of Jesus Christ. And 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 so uh, uh, the second thing that we read here in this in this first chapter of 1 Peter is that we're admonished to not follow the same lifestyle we followed prior to our conversion. I don't go where I used to go. I don't do what I used to do. But I say praise the Lord. And then the third thing we're commanded to be holy in every area of our life. And then we come to this verse of scripture. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. People, the only way that you're going to live holy is to get a revelation of the holy God. I mean, remember, 6th chapter of Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah wrote, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train built the temple. And then he talks about, above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. And with twain he covered his face. And with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. With two of them he covered his face, two he covered his feet, and two he flew with. And these seraphims were there for the express purpose of guarding the holiness of God. Eons earlier, the very one that had been commissioned to guard the sanctity and the holiness of God, he himself was found with iniquity. And he's the one that brought for the first time into the sacred, holy portals of God's throne room. Sin, defilement. There was war in heaven. The archangels fought against Lucifer. And it, he drew a third of the angels of the stars with his tail. It's called a dragon in Revelation. war in heaven. Amen. But the holy angels prevailed. And that dragon was cast out. And those stars with him. Who was it? It was Lucifer and the fallen angels. And now in Lucifer's place there are these serpents that have been assigned. Don't you ever let anything unholy come again into God's throne room. And they're constantly moving. One message. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. Isaiah stands here in awe as he's given this insight, this revelation, this vision, this trip. The heavens open up and he sees it. Him and the Lord seated upon the throne. You see, seraphims are saying, Hey, you're not going to come on in to His glory. 
don't see it from a distance, but you're not going to come into it unless you're holy. And when he saw that, he got a revelation of God's holiness. He'd never really had it before. And he said, Oh, it's me from a man of unclean lips. And I'll dwell in the midst of an unclean people. Oh, woe is me. It means I'm so wretched. I'm so undone. I'm so vile. I'm so filthy. Where did he come to that conclusion? I just got a revelation of his holiness. And when he cried out like that, one of the angels flew over to the altar, took some tongs, and took a live coal off the altar, and flew back over, and laid it on his lips, and said, Now, you're burnt. Well, hallelujah, I didn't get to talk about this last night. I didn't even get close to even starting the message I was going to preach. I got stuck on the front end. That's as far as we went. Amen. But what I was wanting you to understand last night, when you get a revelation, there's always a commission that goes with it. And when he got that revelation of God's holiness and his lips were cleansed, he heard a voice saying from behind him, Who will go for me and whom shall I send? And Isaiah said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Oh, we need a good person in the presence of God. We need God to take a live call or an angel take a live call off the altar and put it on our lips and purchase so that we can get a new revelation of God's holiness and we can hear the voice. It was a voice was already saying, Who will go and whom can I send? But you see, Isaiah wasn't in a position to hear it. But once he got cleansed, once he got purged, he could hear the voice of God. And because he had a revelation, there was a desire. Well, I'm going to tell you something. When you get a revelation of God, whatever it is he wants you to do, you want to do it. You want to please him. My wife and I celebrated last week 43 years of marriage. 43. That's a long time in, in today's world especially. And uh, obviously, we love one another. I think the proof is in the pudding. But I thought about this. And I was even thinking about this today. I was thinking about the kind of wife that I have. And I'm not hard on my wife. I spoil her. But she doesn't take advantage of it. And uh, my wife will go buy a dress or something, or a blouse, or a skirt. And before she ever wears it out, she'll put it on. And she says to me, what do you think? That's her way of saying, do you like it or not? And if I say, yeah, it's okay. All right, then I'm not going to wear it. I'm taking it back. I'm glad that she's more concerned about whether I like it than whether you like it. When you got a woman that's more concerned about what other people, if she starts dressing for the admiration of others rather than her husband, Houston, we have a problem. But it's easy to love a woman that just if you just don't have quite enough enthusiasm, she 
she senses you're not really, really, you know, really, really like this. And I've tried to tell her, honey, it's, it's nice, it's fine, you like it, but wear it. it, it doesn't, no, that's not good enough. Because she wants to please me. I can't understand this attitude that some people in the church have where they're more concerned about what pleases them than they are what pleases God. If we really loved Him, if we really had a revelation of His holiness, if He just barely raised His eyebrow, we'd say, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't think He's really thrilled about that. I want to please the Lord. I want to please the Lord. I want to please the Lord. That's what a spirit of holiness is all about. So when God calls us, there should be a response. Psalms 27, just for an instance, verse 8 said, When thou sinnest, seek ye my face. My heart said unto thee. If I say my heart. See, that didn't come from the head. That came from the heart. That came from the very core being of who he was. And the Lord said, Seek my face. And my heart said, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. I want to end this tonight. When I read this verse of Scripture about three or four weeks ago, Be ye therefore holy. For I, the Lord your God, am holy. My heart said, Lord, I want to be holy. I want to be holy. Would you stand with me? There's this chorus we sing some. You may sing it here. It's pretty popular. I want to be holy, holy like you. We can sing that without realizing what we're even talking about. But I'm going to tell you, I hope, I hope that holiness, the very concept of holiness, the very idea of holiness, amen, takes on a whole new meaning for you. A depth of understanding that you've never had before of what a privilege it is to live the way he wants us to live. How privileged we are that he chose us before the foundation of the world that we should walk in holiness. I want to be holy. I want to be holy. Does anybody here want to be holy tonight? Lift your hands to the Lord right now. Tell him. Tell him from your heart. I want to be holy. I want to be holy like you. Be ye therefore holy. For I, the Lord your God, am holy. I want to be holy. I'm going to tell you if this gets a hold of you. Amen. You're going to make some changes in your lifestyle. You're going to modify your behavior a little bit. There's some things on the edge in your musical library that you're not going to feel comfortable listening to. Some things that you read that all of a sudden you just don't want to read it anymore because you just got that feeling that this is really not pleasing to the Lord. Amen. There may be some things in your closet that you take it out and you, I don't know, 
get a hold of this? Can we get a hold of this? Pray for a revelation. Pray for a revelation right now. God, give me a revelation of your holiness. Give me a revelation of holiness. I want to be holy. I want to be holy. I want to be holy. Praise God. Change me, God. Help me, Lord. This is why Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. You're going to find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Again, we read that his commandments are not grievous. Why? Because we love him. We love him. And we want to live in holiness. Right now, I think it would just be wonderful. Somebody would just step out and walk down the front with their hands raised, saying, I want to be holy. Thank you, young men. Does anybody else want to respond? I want to be holy. Lifting up holy hands without wrath, without doubting. Women, likewise. Oh, I want to be holy like you, Lord. I want to be holy like you.